This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of a release. This week, we're facing up to our past and finding out how awful families can be to one another while watching spine number 60 in the Criterion Collection, Ingmar Bergman's Autumn Sonata from 1978. But first, RJ, it's still really fucking hot out there. It is very hot out there, Jer. It it got so hot, actually, my phone shut off the other day. Oh. Inside. Huh. It was so hot because it was uh, down here in our neck of the woods. I think, uh, what was the the peak? Like 38 degrees? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. But, uh, you know, it feels like 42. Yeah. So we're, we're feeling what uh, some of them bad boys down in the Arizona type weather mm-hmm. feel some days. I think they get like maybe even 10 degrees hotter than that, which is insane. It's hot. It's muggy. Yeah, I I don't remember getting this hot last year at all. Not last year. The year before it did for about 10 days, Mm -hmm. we had a little heat wave, but uh, then it cooled. But this one, ooh, baby, it's going on for a long time. Yeah, well, we had this uh, one day like respite uh, there on Monday, and now apparently it's like another two weeks of just like... 36 degree highs every day it's like god damn it yeah i think the lowest it goes in two weeks is 32 or something like that yeah which is uh i know some of our listeners are in hotter parts of the world but i don't care probably because this is way too hot for us we're not used to it Mm -hmm. so it's hot man have you stuck to your toilet seat yet uh i have not man Um, that's that's an experience (laughs) If I, I, I remember, I, I didn't forget last time we teased some toilet talk, so I thought I'd bring it up. Mm. Did I, I don't know if I told you, did I tell you I, no, you knew, but the listeners didn't. I broke my phone the other day. <laughs> and you know how? Listeners out there. I, uh, you know how I broke my phone? I smashed the screen. I was sitting on the toilet, like I do, 80% of my day. And uh, I stood up, and it fell out of my pocket. It smashed right on the on the dirty bathroom floor. Wasn't that a way to go down? That might be how I die, actually. Yeah. Elvis style, sitting on the toilet. Just keel right over. Yeah. There's a good deal of shame with when something like that happens. <laughs> because it was totally preventable if I wasn't dumping out so hard that I was like, oh, well, it just fell out of my pocket. Yeah, it makes for a, like that kind of weird conversation at the funeral. Oh, how did he die? Oh, at home. Oh, where did they find him? In the bathroom. In the bathroom. Oh. And he, then, and he, had, he had no dignity left. <laughs> yeah. No, I. that might be how I go, though, because there's sometimes... Well, like I, 80% of your life is on there. I mean, that's a pretty good chance. That's like, Andrea actually did say that one time. She's like, she said 80% of her time is waiting for me to get done on the toilet. <laughs> which she's like it she doesn't really like it wasn't a joke it was kind of like a thing she said out of sadness <laughs> like you know it's like when someone like gets so fat or is like so into one thing and you're you have like not an intervention but it's like you just tell them what you really feel it was like one of those kind of moments it's just like you got to change your life because the way it's going right now mm-hmm. i'm not gonna stick around well, maybe, maybe you should uh think about eating some salads or something I ate a salad, all right? Maybe that's why I'm on there so much. <laughs> I don't know. Is that how stuff works? I don't know. Consult your physician. 
And folks, if you're spending that much time on the toilet, you should also consult your physician. Cause it's not mm. right. It's not good. It's good for creeping, though. That's right. Creeping any kind of medium. Mm. You know mm. how much you can do while you're on the toilet? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Hey, RJ. Yeah. We got Yo. some uh, listener emails. What? Emails? Yes. With an both, S or both, with a Z? B- both from listener Oliver. Uh, oh, nice. His, his second email uh, was saying that we should definitely do the timestamp thing where we say, hey, Ooh, yeah. when, when did we uh, start checking the time on a movie? Nice. So, yeah. Did you do your homework and make sure to timestamp it? I, I did. I did, nice. I did remember to keep that in mind. Uh, and then Oliver's other thing was uh, when we were talking about It Comes at Night, he was like, what are you talking about? The Metacritic score and shit is fine. And then he sent me links to both uh, uh, Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes where the movie does indeed seem to be doing just fine as far as critics go. But I, I, maybe, I didn't make, liar. maybe I didn't make it clear. Like Sometimes I just say Metacritic when I'm – I think of it as just like another like thing where users log into it. It's not like a – critic thing and so like i think we made some comment about audiences because audiences are a lot lower which he also mentions mentions that audiences is mixed that's what i meant it's like critics i don't even like gauge that i find more interesting like the number of comments that i've seen on letterbox of people like going to the movie mm-hmm. and like reporting yeah like people were like really pissed off after watching this movie like and then like on um the one site i look up movie show times on uh tribute.ca mm-hmm. it's got like two out of five stars like it's like really low uh compared to like mm-hmm. what, you, what you usually expect like most movies don't hit that low but like the type of person that bothers to log on to a like movie showtime website to like register their anger <laughs> it's those type of people yeah they're not yeah so i mean letterbox people are like fine with it but they're a different type of movie viewer they're not people who are like i'm gonna hop on yelp and tell you about how your restaurant's bathroom was not very clean when i went there but the sandwich was exquisite this is the poorest display of backpedaling and side shuffling i've ever seen <laughs> you were wrong he called you out. I, I didn't. Even, I, I, I was like thinking about going back and listening, but I don't care that much. <laughs> I don't care. I probably, I probably did misspeak. That's what I meant. Is like audiences are like, yeah. You, you know what, Jared? Oh, I think hey, mostly. May I finish? May, may Oliver finish? Yeah. He also he, he concludes looking forward to it, but classic New Zealand. I have to watch it at the New Zealand Film Festival as movies like this don't get proper releases. Um, yeah, Ooh, I mean, really? I, yeah, I'm surprised. Well, I guess it depends where you live in. I don't know. I don't know fucking shit about New Zealand. Um, but like Lethbridge is like this weird place where like fairly mainstream movies, like, I mean, it comes to night had like a huge release, like, uh, like it's over 2000 theaters and like usually stuff like that definitely hits Lethbridge did not come to our major theater. If we had to wait till it went to the little guy, it's so we're like, I, a, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we're like a weird anomaly, though. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we should get that never comes. And it's just like, why the fuck did that movie never come here? I, I think and then it's... there's a lot of stuff that does come and that you're surprised by. You're like, we got that fucking movie? Yeah. We got God's Not Dead? What the hell? Well, so, I mean. No, that, that, never, yeah. forget that as an example. Yeah. But uh, that, that, that's like, that comes down to uh, our, our little uh, local Religious theater community. here. Yeah, uh, the movie mill, it's owned by... Uh, Pretty sure he's LDS Mormon Church uh, Leonard, uh, and he's yeah. he's a big movie fan. And but like, uh, I mean, he also like from 
knowing a bunch of the guys that work there that come to the comic mm-hmm. store, they do try to get like all the stuff that you're hearing about online. But uh, part of the problem is getting the distribute distributors to send that stuff through Greyhound. <laughs> Uh, to mm. Lethbridge and they have to go pick it up and stuff like that. It's all very like strange. Like you would think that it's just like, here's a code, log on and screen that file. Like, cause no one's using film cans in this day and age, but they, they're basically using like hard drives, like portable hard drives, mm-hmm. I think to put, like set the movies up, uh, which is all kind of crappy and depressing, yeah. but nonetheless, but yeah, anyway, Leonard d- tries, like he does, he tries mm-hmm. to bring stuff in, but I remember like, uh, back when Birdman was all the craze, uh, they were, yeah. they had, they had a set date when Birdman was going to come, but then like, I guess Cineplex decided right before it was about to win all those Oscars. Oh yeah, yeah we're going to run it now for a week and they get first dibs cause they pay a premium price to get that stuff and it just screwed them up. <laughs> so yeah, well, cutthroat business here in town. Cutthroat. Well, that uh, that sucks for Oliver because uh, I think he would probably like that movie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice to hear from him as always. I did see that another fan from uh, South Africa he logged this movie, so maybe Africa got the movie, or maybe he's somewhere else. I I do know he's a world traveler. Oh, so I do, but anyways, I do believe he is based out of South Africa at this point. Based out of okay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, uh, that sucks for Oliver. Uh, I hope he gets it one day. I think he'd like it. Um, even more so, I think just to go back to the point, we're both really disappointed in you and, uh, we expect more to come Uh, out later. Yeah. So, uh, don't do it again. Okay. Right. Hey, RJ. Yes. What you been creeping on this week? Oh, baby. Did I do some creeping for you? It's so lame. What do you mean? What What are you doing with your life? Did you? This is Lane. Okay, you, you, you're what? like you like you like knocked your microphone out there for a second. No, I I plugged in my laptop, and whenever I plug in my laptop, that audio like flicks. There, you, so you did something to your microphone. Shut up, okay? Shut up, nerd. I know what I'm doing. Um, okay, yeah. So I did some creeping, and it's not technically what we're used to here, but maybe this is nice. Maybe this will bring in some new fans these movies that i watched uh so this it won't. week what do you mean it won't it won't continue okay this week me and andrea took a walk down memory lane with uh Amer- one of america's <laughs> sweethearts commonly mistaken as a canadian sweetheart but uh it's his parents were canadian yes i know his backstory this his parents were canadian but they were traveling workers and so he was born in the states who are we talking about a list actor, Mr. Brendan Fraser. So I watched a bunch of Brendan Fraser movies this week, Jarrett. I, I know. Are you dying to hear about them? Yes. I, Along with I the looked. new listeners. Have you, have, yes. This is if we don't get an eighty percent boost. You didn't in, even, you uh, didn't even traffic, watch Airheads. Not yet. <sighs> you're, not yet. You're supposed to go chronological. We're still, we're still working through. No, I don't play ball like that. We're still working through uh, B phrase, and then uh, we'll get into Polly Shore. But because um, oh. I'm a big Polly Shore man, oh. but Andrea doesn't like him. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Fuck. Biodome rules. Fuck. It's a wicked movie. Everybody <laughs> likes it. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I watched some Brandon Fraser movies. Yep. You know what? I'm not ashamed to say mm-hmm. I did it. And you didn't. Even he was watch all the... the rage in the nineties. Yeah, and what? you didn't even watch the Mummy. Not yet. I'm getting there. Is this going to keep going? Maybe. 
I don't know. Well, Andrea's never seen School Ties, so we're going to watch that next. But uh, that's not – well, he's a star of that. But, I mean, that's not like these other movies that I actually watch. She liked – she wanted to watch them because they're goofy and they're fun. Mm. And she can just – you can just relax and not have to think about it. You know what I mean, Jer? Yeah. And so what do we what do we got here? B-phrase. Okay, yeah, we started with one of my faves, Encino Man. This was a uh, big-time rental for me. I rent – I like Pauly Shore. I don't care. I'll, I'll say that up front. I think Pauly Shore is wicked. So I rented his movies a lot. And this was a big one because it had both our men in it, Pauly Shore and Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. If people aren't aware, Pauly Shore and shitty Sean Astin uh, digging a hole in California. They're high school kids, and they mm-hmm. find a caveman frozen in the ice. And it's Brendan Fraser. And you know what they do? They spiff him up, and they take him to school. Pretty cool, hey? Yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy. it's crazy, is it? I've seen this movie a lot. I think it's really good. Uh, Brendan Fraser's pretty funny. Polly Shore is super sweet. He's like an old woman in this movie, and uh, he really kind of. There's a trend in these movies. Whoever the like sidekick male is in a lot of these movies, he's really like sympathetic and understanding. And then the main character, like uh, Sean Astin, is just a real dick. Mm-hmm. And like tries to use Brendan Fraser for popularity and to get girls. And then when and then when the girl's interested in the caveman instead of Sean Astin, he fucking tries to white fang him and drives him out of town. He's like, go. Nobody wants you here anymore. And he's a real prick. So that happened in a couple of these movies. But Encino Man is wicked. I like it. You like it. Everybody likes it. It's got one of my favorite lines ever when uh, Sean Astin and Pauly Shore having a fight and he's like all you care about is nugs chilling and grindage and it's the weirdest thing to say <laughs> nugs chilling and grindage and it's like super serious when he says it because they're like actually fighting with each other mm-hmm. it's, it's cute it's adorable what do you what are your thoughts on Encino man uh I saw that movie in theater and I saw it Damn. with a friend and listener Lawrence uh, in grade two or three, four, something like that. Uh, and that's it, I think. And I might have seen it like on TV in like bits and pieces after the fact. Unbelievable. Uh, and it was true, folks. Uh, at one point, Brendan Fraser and uh, Polly Shore ruled the film waves. Mm-hmm. They defined a, uh, a generation. Uh, but mm-hmm. then, but then you're supposed to stop and then not look at that stuff anymore. Well, shut up. <laughs> I bet, uh, I bet listener Lawrence, he, he'll, he'll get my back on this. I bet mm-hmm. he likes Encino man mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a real movie, Jared. Not like this fucking trash we watch on a weekly basis. No, it's no night Porter. I can tell you that it's much. no night Porter. Oh man. I would, I would rather watch Encino man on a loop for all time than ever watch night Porter again. Hmm. How, how's that for a hot take? That's fine. Baby. That's fine. So yeah, Encino Man rules. Everybody likes it. Good times. It's fine. So you know you know what you follow up Encino Man with? Hmm. Blast from the Past. Yeah. That quirky movie with everyone's fave, Christopher Walken. Yep. Have you seen Blast from the Past? I have. I think it's somewhere at my parents' house on DVD. Everybody's seen this goddamn movie. Anyone who was alive before it came out has seen this movie. Um... Brendan Fraser's family goes into a fallout shelter. Plane falls on their house. Christopher uh, Walken thinks it's a bomb. 30 years later, he's a fish out of water in the 90s. 
pretty crazy, hey? <laughs> I, I this movie's pretty good too. I like it. Christopher Walken is fucking awesome in this movie. Yes, he's so cool. Wow. That's like that was like the that was the heyday of uh '90s Walken was pretty good. Yeah. He he's really good in this movie. He's wicked. Brendan Fraser's pretty good in this movie too, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only person I don't like is Eve. Uh, the Alicia woman. Silverstone. The woman. Oh, okay. No, no. So listen, <laughs> she has a sidekick, supportive male, Dave Foley, and he's really supportive, just like Polly Shore was in Encino Man. But she fucking sucks. She basically uses him too, and then like freaks out at him and tries to like get him taken away, just like Sean Astin in Encino Man. So I've noticed this trend in Brendan Fraser movies. He's like always the dopey lead and like he's charming and lovable and you root for him and then he interacts with the opposite lead blast from the past it was Alicia Silverstone in Sino Man it was Sean Astin and the opposite lead is always a prick and I think it's to make him be even more uh likable I guess maybe that's the wrong word Mm -hmm. but then that person has a lovable sidekick like Pauly Shore or Dave Foley and they're they're like the voice of reason they're like hey maybe you shouldn't like do that. Mm. So I'm just saying, I noticed a trend. Eve sucks. If you watch this movie, or Alicia Silverstone, you watch it again, you'll be like, yeah, she does suck. Because she, like, uses him, and then she, like, calls family services on him, which doesn't really make sense, because it's like, he's 35. What are they going to do? Like, take him away from his parents? It did, the whole, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't matter. It does it doesn't Last room pass. It doesn't matter. Another slam jammer. And so you know what I watched after that? Uh, another movie. Another Brendan Fraser movie. And mm. that's where I'll close it. Three Brendan Fraser movies in a row, baby. Just yep. for you, Jerry. A hat trick. A hat trick of B-Phrases. I actually also watched Georgia the Jungle with B-Phrase. But uh, I'm not going to talk about that. It's cute. Okay. It's adorable. It's got a lot of animals in it. I hope they didn't get hurt. Uh <laughs> So after that, I watched Bedazzled with, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Hurley, 90s heartthrob. You mm-hmm. might remember her from Austin yeah. Powers. Yeah. Mm. She's a, she looks good in Bedazzled, man. Real good. <laughs> Real good. Uh, but so does he. So this is, did you know fucking Harold Ramis made this movie? Uh, yeah. You know who directed the original Bedazzled? Peter Weller. From Char- Robocop? Charades director Stanley Donan. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, see, this is connected somehow. Yeah, so I knew it was a remake. I've never seen the, the original. Maybe I should have watched it with Charade. Too late now. Yeah. Uh, so Shannon, or uh, Shannon, Elizabeth Hurley's the devil, and uh, Brendan Fraser sells his soul. And then what ensues is a hilarious uh, hodgepodge of uh, unfortunate situations. Careful what you wish for, Jarrett. Mm. Have you seen this one? No. Oh, come on. This one's pretty good. It's really... <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Like, this is the movie Brendan Fraser should have got an Oscar for. Okay. <laughs> he's he's wicked in this. Because he's always, he plays all these different characters. And in one of them, he's, like, really emotional. And he has red hair and freckles. And it's really funny. And in one of them, he's a eight-foot-tall basketball player. And he sweats a lot. And it's super funny. And, uh, yeah. And then the guy from Seinfeld who played the mattress, uh, or the whiz. Do you remember that guy? He's like, I'm the whiz. Nobody beats me. I'm the whiz. 
I don't. Do you remember that? Seinfeld? I don't. Re- I don't remember that character. Oh come on! I I, yeah, I'm blanking out completely on that. One sec. Okay. Keep talking. I'm gonna look this guy up. Yeah, you look him up because that's where I knew him from was Seinfeld, and he's in this. He's really good. Orlando Jones is in this, and uh, he doesn't do much, but he's pretty funny. They always dress him up. Pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie's good. It's got some killer product placement. There's a sweet McDonald's spot where they actually go into a McDonald's. I, I dig it. Um, this one's not bad either. It's kind of it's kind of charming. And you know, in the end, Jarrett, we might all be a little bit better. He, I think he learned something about himself. Hmm. So, that guy. Yeah, he's what? the whiz. Yeah, the, it's from the episode "The Junk Mail." Oh, it's yeah. like it's a lot. It's no wonder I haven't. I don't remember that. That's like season nine Seinfeld. So, That's well, like, you didn't watch all the seasons. Uh, well, I did, but I probably seen season nine the least. Ah man, you you got to be rocking those TBS was, reruns all the time. Well, see, I was watching Seinfeld when it was airing live, sir. Whatever, I did too. But I was nine, and then I cashed in on all those reruns, and I've seen every episode like a hundred times. Kid, like a hundred times at least. Um, yeah, Bedazzled's good. There's no uh, sidekick in this one, so. Whatever. Anyways, three Brandon Fraser movies. RJ, the 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 junk mail was starring the Wiz character. It aired October thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven. Damn, spooky Halloween style. Yeah, they never did a Halloween episode on Seinfeld. That doesn't surprise me. Pfft, whatever. So, anyways. That's what I creeped on. And then we had the return of our favorite show, The Return, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Jared's not listening. This is unbelievable. unbelievable. The amount of unprofessionalism he puts into this podcast. Unbelievable. Twin, I'm done, Twin by Peaks? the way. Twin Peaks? Yes, we can talk about Twin Peaks. What do you have to say about Twin Peaks? It was good. I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a straightforward episode. Yep. Back to uh, back to basics. Back to basics. Some, I thought some uh, teases. Some teases. Well, I thought where, where, the, whose side is Diane really on? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's fucked up, man. What's up with that armpit rash? Oh man. Nobody oh, knows. That was, but she's serving burgers. Oh, oh man, that was so bad. That's like the one of the worst things I've ever seen in my uh, life watching TV is like fucking just scratching fucking woundy armpits and shit. Ugh. You've never hung out at my house. No. I guess not. Uh I just I'll say that the lady band at the end, I think that's the second time that that's band the, yes. pops up, right? Yeah. Uh I think the lead, the middle lady, she kind of looks like a young Laura Dern. Oh, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Maybe. But uh, I thought that was cool. And then also when your buddy Tim Roth popped up yeah. with his girlfriend Chantel, uh, probably my favorite moment in the entire series so far uh, when he's like, lay some sugar on him, Chantel. And she goes to kiss him. And then in her back pocket is that crushed up bag of Cheetos. <laughs> and then uh, she gives him the crushed, crushed up bag of Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really sweet because who doesn't like Cheetos? That's right. And that band is Au Revoir, Simone. Mm-hmm. For those people who love how I butcher the French language. Uh, that guy's not listening anymore. He's no. long gone. <laughs> but, yeah, how good have the bands been in this show? Uh, 
50 I, I thought they've all been super good. Uh, there's been some I stuff that's em. been... Well, what didn't uh, you like? Uh, there's the Nine one that nails? no, they were. I mean, they're an actual act. I think the only one that I was like, I, I vaguely remember, but it's like, oh, the only reason this band's in it is because David uh, Lynch's son's in the band, and they were just like, they didn't even sing; they just played music. I can't remember the name of them. They're just guys. Uh, so that's been fine. But you know, uh, yeah, Aurora Simone, Chromatics, the Cactus Blossoms were good. Nine Inch Nails is fine. It's just that was, that sequence was very long, and it wasn't shot the same way everything else has been shot. So it kind of just stood out, and it doesn't make sense in the timeline. Picky, it's picky. Fine. That's me. Uh, no, it was a good episode. Uh, they're getting back into the the mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about uh, Briggs and stuff. Briggs and Hawk and uh, the sheriff, they're on the search for two Coopers. Mm-hmm. Two yes. Coopers. Yeah. Then we have Bobby. Bobby Antics. We haven't, we haven't seen too many of the uh, like the original cast, hey? Other well, than like, the old guys. Well, we still have never seen Ed. We still haven't seen yep. Audrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's like the two major ones we haven't seen at all. Like not even a frame of them. Yep. I think. Saving them for something good? Well, we're halfway through. There's only nine yeah. episodes to go. Or technically, really eight eight weeks to go. Bar and then there'll be some yeah. stupid holiday to screw things up. I'm sure. Uh, but hey, uh, and then we're, we're gonna have fucking Twin Peaks going. And in a week, we've got uh, Game of Thrones. But you, yeah, you, but you, I don't watch. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're, you're you're not caught up because oh, I'm gonna wait for the books. Yeah, I think that backfired on me because I don't think that last book is ever going to come well, out. Well, there's two books to go. <laughs> so I, you, you just give, just, just fuck that. Like, just I know, but I I wanted to, I was doing a thing where I, I was always reading before I watched. and That was a stupid thing. Now you can just give up on it. Just watch the show. Yep. Be part of the culture. Come on. I'm trying, I'm trying to give that fat bastard some something. <laughs> Everyone else bailed on him. They're like, oh, he's going to die. I don't think he's going to die. I, just, <laughs> I think he's just not going to write him. Uh, so, I think time might run out. Know. Time's going to run out. And that's the and time's that's all- not on our side, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Twin Peaks was a good episode. <sighs> I finished I finished uh, my David Lynch run. Ah, yeah. And what did you learn from rewatching all of the work of did Mr. David I, Lynch? I can't remember. Had I Did I talk about Twilight, uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me? Last week? Uh, maybe a little okay. bit. Well, yeah. So that's his best movie that I think he's mm-hmm. made. I think that, that movie, I love it. Um, Interesting. It's my favorite of his. I wouldn't say, uh-huh. it's, I, I, I wouldn't say it's his best movie. I'll say it's my favorite. Um, yeah, that's fair. But that movie's really good. Uh, rewatched Lost Highway for the first time in a very long time and watching it in widescreen on the DVD that's only available currently for it. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever seen that movie in widescreen because for a long time it was only ever available in like full frame on like VHS. And then even like the one DVD that kicked around for a while was pan and scan only. So watching it now uh, look as close to proper as possible was different. And I don't know if it necessarily helped the movie, but also like I see some of the problems of the movie. Like it's 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 another movie that he co-wrote with Barry Gifford, who we also did uh, Wild at Heart, which is like my right. second least favorite of his movies. Um mm-hmm. but like there's so many good visuals and stuff like that in that in Lost Highway. Um everything with Mystery Man, Robert Blake is just like fucking awesome. Uh, like he is real life creep Robert Blake. Well, yeah, but like man, like he is like so good. Like what a what a character, what a presence. Mm-hmm. The way everything in that shot, it's like so memorable and like there's like some really great moments that make up for the fact that lost highway is a weaker one but i still like mm-hmm. i 
I think about that movie's visuals and music so much that it's like hard for me to even like judge it too harshly. So it's up there. But like mm. all of all of Lynch's stuff's up there for me. Uh, then re- rewatched Mulholland Drive, which I was actually surprised mm-hmm. that it's like I used to. I've thought of it for like a long like it's been a while since I'd watched it, and uh, rewatching it this time, I went went in was like, you no, know, this is like the distillation of everything Lynch. This is like the thing that he yeah. aimed for because like I think that was like Roger Ebert's review of Mulholland Drive because this is like the only movie that like Ebert really liked of his. Everything mm-hmm. else he never was a fan of or had problems with, and he yeah, thought this Ebert was like sucks. Well, e- Ebert really liked this, uh, but one of the one of the keys of, of understanding Roger Ebert's psyche is that he loves lesbians and he loves lesbian <gasps> sex scenes. So Damn. this movie has one of them, and so ergo four stars. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, is it, isn't that the reason he gave Small Soldiers four stars? Well, yeah, the Joe Dante film. Yeah, with David Cross. Yeah, and Phil Hartman. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I thought because uh, before I had watched all these, you had always told me Mohammed Drive was the, mm-hmm. the pinnacle, yep. the culmination of all things I Lynch. Did. I did. So I saved it for second last, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think I went in all, almost uh, order. Yeah. Almost like the correct order. In I order think there was maybe. Release. Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe. Spine. I think maybe I did uh, Wild at Heart before Blue Velvet. Sure. But uh, whatever. Who cares about that? I think for the most part, I did it in, mm-hmm. in chronological order. And then, yeah, I, I did Muholland and I was like, whoa, this is super good. And then I watched Inland Empire and I was like, whoa. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Um, we'll get there. So, yeah, Muholland Drive. Uh, yeah, it's like there's like the weird thing with like Naomi Watts's performance where she's kind of like bad for the first half. But it's sort of like if, right? it's right, and that's the thing with Lynch movies is you always have to like keep that in your mind. It's like there's like weird intentional bad acting, and it's like right. because because in the same movie she completely like she does that scene where she's like being the actress and she's like wow yeah. that was really intense and good. And she's like wow wow I'm so goofy, and then there's the second half of the movie where she's like oh that was like her idyllic character in her dream. And now this is what she's like. And it's like, it's like this formula. Like it's this naturalistic performance. I, I don't think you can spoil a movie that's like 15 years old. That, uh, you know, I, I know, I know a few people who haven't seen. Well, they don't care then. They don't care. You're trying. Um, so this trying. is a movie that I remember people at one point were like, this movie is so weird and confusing. I don't even know what's going on. But mm-hmm. I've, there was like a, in the original DVD that came out, it had like David Lynch's 10 clues. And mm-hmm. if you read, if you read that and it like kind of just clarifies a couple things, this movie is actually pretty straightforward. I mean, there's like stuff that doesn't make sense that's thrown in there. And like, it's like this sort of dream logic to it but for the most part he ties up all his loose ends which is incredible because as everybody knows if you read wikipedia or remember the production history of this movie uh it started off as a television show uh they they shot a pilot and abc went nope and then david lynch took it and made a whole movie out of it and which is kind of funny that it then turned out to be like one of his best movies or like a lot of people consider it as like masterpiece which is like, oh, that's kind of funny considering it started off as just a TV show. And like, I really am curious what that show would have been. It would have been canceled in one season anyway. Um, so it's probably better that it yeah. wound up the way it does. But I'm like, it's one of those movies that I'm just shocked at how like breezy it is. Like, mm-hmm. I remember like I, like the, the, the big change, the shift in the story is like at the halfway mark, like or even like an hour and a half or so in. And it's like almost two and a half. And right. then it's like, oh, shit. 
like this movie's like already almost over and like there's scenes that I thought happened way later and they're like the second or third scene in like the winky scene with the mm-hmm. the, the man in the back be- behind the restaurant thing I thought that was later but it's like no it's the third scene and I was like whoa like I had like my memory mm-hmm. of it had really shifted in a lot of ways but yeah. yeah I mean like after like watching everything I mean I'd put it it's below like a lot of his stuff like um, for me like Twin Peaks Firewalk Me it's the top of the peep and then below mm-hmm. that I'd probably have a racer head because like there's like there's no movie like it uh, it's still mm-hmm. like pretty amazing that this thing exists uh, Blue Velvet I actually forgot how good I, how good that movie is and how much I enjoy it and like how uh, otherworldly uh, Dennis Hopper's performance as Frank Booth is like it's so good oh, yeah. uh, there's like mm-hmm. nothing quite like it um, and then yeah I guess like, like Mulholland Drive is like kind of below those for me uh, but it's like, oh, they're all good. Like, these are all like, I mean, this is me splitting hairs of like, I think these movies are all like five star bangers. And uh, it's just splitting hairs of like, what would I like at a drop of the hat pop into the Blu-ray player to watch tonight kind of thing. And hmm. that's where I would put it. It's not a movie I would rush out to buy or wash out, rush out to recommend or watch. If I was going to like, I'm in a David Lynch mood. I'm going to watch this. Because I'd even right. say like the Twin Peaks pilot Twin Peaks as a broader project I think is more interesting than Mulholland Drive in some ways but the Mulholland Drive score is really good like listening to it again it's got like it's some of uh, Angelo Bandalamente's uh, best stuff but Ooh. he's uh, the, the, the composer no, oh, can you say his name again Angelo Bandalamente nice yeah he's he's incredible uh, he, he brings his game actually it's like really neat because I also watched Straight Story I completely skipped over Straight Story um, yeah you jerk so Straight Story, Straight Story is just like good. It's like I like it. It's yeah. a good movie. Uh, but I mean, it's so um, it's way less interesting to talk about than his other work. Yeah. But but it's still like it's a good movie. Uh, and it's like all his crew is there. And I mean, if people don't know this somehow, uh, Straight Story is his Disney movie that he made mm-hmm. based on the true story of Alvin Straight and his journey across from uh, was it Wisconsin to Iowa or something like that? Yeah. On the back of a tractor. Uh, hauling ass across the prairies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie, the music in that is amazing. Uh, it, it looks great. Uh, it's basically looks. It's basically our neck of the woods. Like we live yeah. in an area that looks exactly like this. I've read a couple mm-hmm. of like weirdly patronizing letterbox reviews mentioning how this movie makes them feel really nostalgic, and I'm like. This isn't nostalgia. Ow. Like it's like, but the thing is, this is yeah. from people who live in like Los Angeles, and it's like they don't uh. they, they they forget that uh, it's like ah, uh, there's that urban thing where it's like ah, uh, yeah, you know, people do still live like this, right? <laughs> like this is actually pretty yeah. pretty genuine. Um, and David Lynch like grew up in Montana, so mm. you know he, that he he did he did he's based in this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love David Lynch, even like what I consider is like weakest key period like movie which is Wild at Heart None, nothing holds a candle to his worst film uh, which was the last thing that he made for like the, 10 years 10 until years. Uh, Twin Peaks uh, The Return and that's Inland yeah. Empire and I watched that movie once uh, the, like within a week of it coming out on DVD and I excitedly mm-hmm. popped it in because it had been like uh, since Mulholland Drive there hadn't been a new David Lynch thing he'd been working on his website and making like his meteorology his, yeah, his weather report stuff he's yeah. selling coffee and it's like ridiculously priced just this obtuse website totally like just vanishing up his own ass but we're like oh cool he's got this movie mm-hmm. it's like Inland Empire A Woman in Trouble and it's like that sounds <gasps> incredible 
it's like a pole, like Polish ghost story and like Justin yeah. Theroux's in there and like everyone's coming back. He's, oh, he's got his whole crew. But at the time I didn't notice one thing that had changed and happened at the time this movie came out was that David Lynch. So quick fact, David Lynch has been married four times. Mm-hmm. Um, his third marriage was to his film editor, Mary Sweeney, who he'd worked with for many, many years. And like, he produced some of his best work with Mary Sweeney. Um, and they got married the year this movie came out and they got divorced the same year and they no longer mm-hmm. work together. And they, she did not work on Inland Empire. Um, uh, and she's not working on Twin Peaks, The Return, which kind of answers so, sort of like the openness, we'll say of the, the pacing of, uh, the current incarnation of twin peaks but okay. inland empire man i watched that movie the first time and i was like that movie bummed me out it wasn't good at all like it doesn't have any mm-hmm. of the qualities i like of david lynch whatsoever and it's been like 10 years since i watched it and i really never wanted to watch it again but you know this is my like probably the last chance i'm going to watch all of david lynch's movies anytime soon i'm like well yep. maybe my opinion of it's changed maybe i'm a little bit more woke rj maybe my uh, oh, my, uh no. my mind's expanded and i'm like yeah i'm totally i'm going to get this this time and i'm going to see this movie that others also see according to letterbox that say that this is like amongst their favorite david lynch movies and that's like one of his best movies blah 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 yeah. uh watched this last night and uh yeah it's like worse than i remember um wow it's it, it is this shit man it is shit i i fucking mm-hmm. hate this thing uh it's like i don't even i can't believe he made this and he was so excited about like digital technology because if you look oh, at if you look yeah. at like all of his stuff his movies are like generally pretty beautiful to like just like well shot well like everything's really well composed and like really memorable um and so like this goddamn inland empire uh, it just god how do you put it it just uh, the, the it's the the audio mastering's bad like all it seems like everything's been like under recorded which is because he was shooting it all on like crappy digital cameras it's sh- like there's bits where it's like literally handheld and like just shaky and so it's like okay so this is like amateurish stuff happening um Laura Dern, like who, like I think after this movie, David Lynch decided like, ah, she's my muse, and uh, that became enough for people. And then people started saying, oh, I love Laura Dern too. But it's like Laura Dern isn't that amazing. People like to say that she's great, but she's fine. And in this, I don't know. Like uh, there just came a point watching this thing where I'm like, this movie isn't worth me watching for three hours, and I gave up. And I stopped watching it uh, because life's too short. And it's like, if I'm going to spend three hours watching something, I could watch anything that exists in this planet except for this movie because it's just not worth your time. I hate it. Um, it's just, <laughs> I can't even, uh, it, it frustrates me. Um, and like, it's weird because like, I've, I've seen online, people seem to like like this movie more than I do. Um, and then there's some people who are like, I want to like this. It's like, or it's, I, I dream to it. I watch it while I half fall asleep. And <laughs> I just like, oh, you're a liar. Why are you lying to me? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh, so, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. It wasn't, RJ wasn't out of the room at all. And, uh, nope. Nope, not at all. So anyway, uh, RJ, you've seen Inland Empire once before. Um, and I think you went in with me saying, RJ, this movie sucks and you're not going to oh, yeah. like it. And uh, I think that... Yeah, that played, movie blows. Yeah. I, it, yeah, it's worse than... like I can't. I don't even want to rate it like how much I dislike this movie because it's like to me, it's mm-hmm. like not worth watching at all. Like it... Because yeah. it, 
yeah, it's it stinks. Yeah, so a good a good a good uh, little buffer there, I guess, or not buffer. I can't think. Anyways, you you told me it sucks, so I was going in thinking that. But I watched it with roommate Scott, who mm-hmm. watched a bunch of the Lynch movies with me, like almost all of them actually. I think, uh, except for the Straight Story, we watched them all together. And um, I didn't tell him that you thought it sucked. And then when we finished, he was just like, holy fuck. He's like, I will never watch that thing again. <laughs> it's so long. It looks horrible. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that, that movie blows yeah. real bad. Yeah. It's it's just like, the. I remember when I watched it, I was like, it's like he made a really shitty version of Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. cause he, yeah. he liked Mulholland Drive so much and he like tried to do it again, like but themes. he made a really bad one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty well. That was the bigger disappointment too. It's like, he just like remade like all his movies, but he did it worse. Like everything's badly made in this thing. And I, yeah. I just don't get it. There's no justifying it. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I was talking with, uh, my buddy today, uh, my friend who's, <laughs> my friend you, you know you just like you went and like oh your coke, oh, your coke buddy <laughs> my coke buddy no sorry i uh i had a whisker in my nose oh okay. a little whisker right. no i was talking to my friend today who's uh currently going through the lynch stuff and um uh he was talking about how good the new twin peaks is mm-hmm. and he was like he's like i'm he was also really bummed out that it's gonna end soon but he's like man that would be a real fucking like a blowout way to end your career if that's like all he does if he just ends with this the mm-hmm. way it's been going i was like well thank god because if he had ended on inland empire like people would have been so bummed out like <laughs> if that was the last one right so yeah no that movie that movie sucks yeah it's it's it, really bad yeah it, it, it's kind of like to me it's like oh it's great that you can obviously point to his worst movie like it's just like yeah, yeah. no that, that's it over there people say oh yeah. dune it's like no no dune dune's like okay dune, dune, yeah dune's dune, not that bad yeah dune's not bad um it's just yeah inland empire don't 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 um, don't so the other, one of the other things I watched was uh, I, after like all this David Lynch talk and reading about it, I was like, hmm, you know, I wonder like because he's got his whole like David Lynch foundation and his like he's yeah. really thrown his hat into the uh, transcendental meditation movement. I'm like, I wonder if there's any documentaries about the transcendental meditation because honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know much about them other than the Beatles got into it like back in the 60s. Um, right. So I typed in Transcendental Meditation, was snooping around, and I came across this documentary called David Wants to Fly. And I was like, oh, okay, what's this? So I read the line of synopsis, and I was like, whoa, this sounds exactly like what I'm looking for. So mm-hmm. what this documentary is, RJ, is uh, it came out in 2010, uh, and it's this guy, this David fella, uh, he's a German film student, just recently graduated, and he wants to like make a movie. He wants to like get in the film industry, and he wants to start making stuff. Um, right. And one of his favorite directors, as told by the posters he's put up in his apartment, uh, is David Lynch. He loves that David mm-hmm. Lynch, and he's, he loves his movies. And he's like, kind of like, oh, I want to be like David Lynch. He's so great. What a great surrealist he is. How, where does he get his ideas? Oh, he doesn't like do a lot of public stuff, but he's going to be at this transcendental meditation thing in Iowa, which is where like the headquarters of the TM movement is based out of mm-hmm. in the middle of the prairies. Um, this like TM or BM. Uh, and so it's in the middle of the prairies. Uh, <laughs> so he flies out, uh, with magical money 
Um, I will mention that. So the one problem with this documentary from being like an automatic recommend is that he decided that like the audience would be really interested in his like love life. (laughs) And so there's like all this stuff with his girlfriend and like hanging out and it's like, who's filming this? Like, why are they like laying in bed and like, who's film? Why are they filming this conversation that wouldn't happen unless there was a camera in the room? And they're like Mm -hmm. the worst type of like Berlin art hipster people. I know these people like, and they, they just like make me just go, Ugh. like you'd, you'd want to beat like, them up all the time because they're wearing fedoras and stupid little uh, like old lady hats. They, they're, they're pretty goofball anyway, but the film actually yeah. is better than that, except for his taste in like, why did you leave this in? You should just cut it out, but then it wouldn't be an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so he flies out, he winds up getting to interview David Lynch and David Lynch is all very enthusiastic talking about transcendental meditation, doing mm-hmm. this hand thing. And then he's like, yeah, I think I want to join. I want to get into transcendental meditation. What do I have to do? So he reads all the stuff. Oh, you have to show up to this building in Germany. Cause of course there's a center uh, for a transcendental meditation, just like there is for any organization. Um, yep. and they're like, oh yeah, you can show up with these flowers, this m- sort of like cologne or perfume blah 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 oh and two thousand dollars because that's the that's the that's the sign up fee to go get your secret mantra given to you and get taught Mm -hmm. the secrets and so he shows up with his money cash cash only and uh yeah it's a bunch of like white guys in beige suits and uh they'll they'll tell you how things go it's very it's a very much a beige and white dress sort of thing going on so Uh, like what you wear yeah, except yeah. absolutely, I don't think I own a single beige thing in my entire house. Yeah, Any, that, I don't buy that. Anywho, so yeah, so it starts off like, wow, transcendental meditation is like making my life better. All these film projects I've started doing are like starting to kick off, and things are looking great. And then like he starts like kind of like he sees David Lynch again. And David's like David, and he's like, oh, they're <laughs> they're pals, and everything's gonna be swell. And mm-hmm. then. He's like almost becoming like the official videographer of the transcendental meditation in 2008. And he goes mm-hmm. to like a meeting because like uh, the Maharaj guy dies in 2008. And there's like a funeral and a new appointment of the new Maharaj, which is uh, grown out of the Rajas, the Rajis, I guess, who are guys yeah. who just who paid like a million dollars to get trained. Mm-hmm. So rich guys. Um and they got special training now and they got your money and mm-hmm. they're all like playing into it. They all wear gold crowns and like their clothes have now changed to white billowy things. David Lynch is at the funeral. He's wearing a white cloak and he's just hanging out. Um, <laughs> and then like they, he's felt like, so the other David, German David, he's filming this stuff and the, he's like, he starts like, Oh, there's like some like people arguing that this guy shouldn't become the Maharaj and stuff like that. And then they're like, Oh, stop recording. Oh, you can't use that footage in your documentary. Oh, by the way, we're going to need the final cut on your film that you're making and it's like mm. oh that's interesting this movement about transparency and it's like all secret and it costs you two thousand dollars to join the club and uh oh we don't we need final say on this it all starts falling into place the way that you know organizations uh do yeah yep so anyway uh so David Lynch plays into this role as he kind of feels like a Tom Cruise if you will. What? Oh, like in the sense that like like an action star. And he's like a, uh, a spokesman and he's like a successful, if you, I think, uh, Wikipedia refers to him as like America's greatest surrealist or something like that. So he's like a successful name, Mm. creative person that they've like lassoed into this group. And he probably gets all the perks and doesn't really, 
question this stuff and he just has to show up and talk yeah. about something that's worked really well for him uh there's a bit where hmm. he starts up the david lynch foundation which is about getting transcendental, transcendental meditation into public schools and like start Ooh. teaching children about these techniques that will help cure all sorts of things um see i haven't even touched upon yogi flyers what is yogi flyers okay so yoga so the, there's an aspect of yoga in this i guess but you so yogis practitioners of yoga uh apparently if you get good enough at this and you become enlightened you will be able to fly so there's the whole thing oh, with like guys yeah, okay. with their legs crossed and they're doing like they're basically just using their abs and their like quads yeah. to like pop some, themselves up in the air and they're just doing hops all around mats uh well apparently if you get enlightened if you get proper woke you will be able to fly. And then a bunch of yogis mm-hmm. will fly around and protect, you know, Germany, which is one of the things that they're trying to sell to the German people. Um, they'll be, protect be, them from what? Exactly. And then they'll be, but they'll be <laughs> invincible to it. And you'll have all these floating people flying all around. Um, and so this big fat piece of shit guy, who's a raw Raji, he, uh, he's a German dude. He's like at a college campus that David Lynch is at to like basically warm up the crowd and get them yeah. like juiced up for the, cause so people are going there to hear David Lynch. And then it's like, okay. oh, but here's the king of Germany, your Raji. And he's just this like fat pig of a dude. Like I like, fuck this guy. I don't give a shit. This guy's like mm. awful human being, just garbage, taking money from people. And he starts mm-hmm. talking about like this shit. And there's like, of course, the, this woman, like she, uh, uh, she's an academic and she's like, you're a charlatan. Like she has no time for this crap. And like, what do you mean? It's like, what you're talking about is like protecting Germany and like making it like invincible. Like, what are you talking about? Like Hitler tried to do this and he makes in this fucking idiot, makes some comment like, well, it's unfortunate uh, Adolf Hitler didn't succeed. I mean, he just didn't have transcendental meditation in his life. <laughs> and the crowd just like turns on him, obviously. And it's just like, yeah. they won't, they, the guys like can't even understand or like, he's like uh, really mortified that he's being filmed. And like all these people are just shitting on him. And David Lynch like, okay, I better jump in here and uh, steer the boat back on the course. <laughs> like, this is so fucking bad. Like, this is mm-hmm. like some crazy shit. And they're, they're trying to get money to build like a tower of like invincibility in the middle at this like old like cia tower in west germany it's just ludicrous and it's like oh yeah of course of course it's a scam and there's like fucking guys named pandits that they're flying in from india to the middle of iowa at this like complex that's like fenced off and apparently they're just like sitting around in these like housing facilities like trying to like learn to levitate and there's like guys that try to escape and they're like immediately recaptured by the security at this thing it's just Mm -hmm. like all the classic check marks of organizations (laughs) organizations <laughs> jeez uh, uh so sounds spooky it's it's not even spooky it's just like oh <laughs> uh, it's just like i just start getting i start yelling at my laptop because i was watching this on youtube but unfortunately it's been taken off of youtube like since like i watched it which is really weird they got to him they got to him but uh so yeah it was like interesting uh if you ever thought oh. about maybe i should be a transcendental meditationist and it's like no you shouldn't you shouldn't. You can yeah, learn. I you think can, I'm good. If you want to learn meditation, you can do that for free. Just like download a app, Calm. Get it. You can do it. That you do the Dallas Diamond Page meditation. That's right. Workout. Yeah. 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 Work those calisthenics. Uh, so yeah, that's my uh, bit of uh, uh, oh, poor, oh David Lynch. How do I feel about you now? I feel the same. He's made some incredible movies. It's just his uh, choice sure of. Spiritual organization is uh, exactly what they all are. Yeah. Well, a a sham. <laughs> a fucking yeah. sham. 
What what are you gonna do? Yeah, nothing, nothing. It has nothing to do with me at the end of the day. But yep. man, getting into schools and stuff like that—that's some sleazy stuff. Because you you, you get them um, when they're young, you plant those seeds. Well, just do the right thing. <laughs> Spike Lee will tell you that through the garbage can, through the glass. That's yeah. In the do future. the right thing. Uh, we're, spoilers. Um, I also I watched Blade, RJ. <laughs> what? I didn't know you did. Yeah. When I, did you watch Blade? On the on Saturday. When it was soup, when it was like like thirty six degrees outside, and it's like you know what's, I, you know what's the perfect sunny weather movie? Watch a movie about a daywalker. Man, I didn't know you watched Blade. On a different note, I am so so upset that you have only seen Blade two one time. That is fucking horseshit. That well, movie I, is five stars. It's think, so good. I think I'd only seen Blade the first movie maybe one and a half times. You're so, such a bad person. I just they just don't play into my life. <laughs> like there's no you. You're just a bad person. But hey, but I'm making I'm making up for it. So I watched Blade. Uh, I forgot Donald Logue was in that movie. Um, yeah. I always like for some reason I crossed that character up with. Uh, um, Oh, what's his name? Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs in uh, his character yeah, in, Heat, in the movie Heat. Like he kind of plays this like this guy. like southern guy, and so like I kind of thought, oh, it's the same type of dude, but no, it's a different human being. But hey, I was like, hey, yeah. Donald Logue, uh, such superhero project alumni as Ghost Rider and Gotham. Mm-hmm. He's got a track record. Yep. Uh, Blade that it sure o- does. The opening nightclub scene is still pretty wicked. Fucking right it is. Yeah, it's, I thought that was good. And it also stars, uh, that also has Lem from The Shield in it. So I like the Ooh. spine guys. Lots of like 90s goth shit going on. Um, yeah. I can't remember if I, I think I've talked to you at least in private about my uh, fascination lately with Vampire the Masquerade, the uh, the yeah, role-playing yeah. game. And so I was like, I'm going to watch some movies that will get me into the Vampire the Masquerade mindset. And Blade definitely hmm. did that. Um, Wesley Snipes right. is almost not in this movie enough. Yeah, no, I've heard that a lot. It's the uh, what's his face, Stephen Frost movie or Dorf, Stephen Dorf movie. Yeah, Deacon it's Frost. Stephen, yeah, it's the Stephen Dorf movie, <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Yeah, he's in it too much. Uh, there's only like one bit that's like like the worst CGI is definitely this like he throws some someone throws some grenades into like the vampire library. Yeah. And there's like a bad explosion. It's like it's really bad. The rest of the special effects are like. They haven't aged well, but they're like they have a charm to them almost. Right. It's, the movie's surprisingly super violent though at times, and it's got hmm. some some real f bombs that I appreciated. Uh, the one thing I had a flashback to watching Blade again though was like the whole thing with like Chris Christopherson shooting himself off camera, even oh, though yeah. it's like two feet away from being on camera to him being completely alive in Blade 2. And I remember yeah. when we were watching Blade 2 in theater, people were like, what the fuck? He's dead. He shot himself in the <laughs> first movie. And I was like, I don't remember because it's been years. And yeah, then I'm like, oh yeah, stupid Blade 2, stupid Gilmero. You just haven't seen Blade enough, man. Well, I'll have to watch Blade 2 sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, well, I finished yeah. watching, uh, I watched Battle for the Planet of the Apes. That movie's bad. Um, completely yeah. skippable. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just boring and yep. doesn't go anywhere. Watch Dawn of the Planet of the Apes instead. Exactly. It is a, it is a remake, eh? It pretty much is, yeah. And yep. and it's boring and just not interesting. Bad villain. Right. Just not, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely yep. the dud. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. fine. It's the fifth movie. The fourth movie is incredible. <laughs> so yep. those first four... Ace. Um, hey, I, I got two more things. I'm just going to keep talking. Okay. 
Uh, I watched Baby Driver. <laughs> oh, yeah. How was that? <laughs> saw that in theater. It's the first movie I've seen in theater since I saw that Tony Erdman back in April. It's been Damn. months since I've seen something in theater. I appreciated the air conditioning. Uh, oh, yeah. Baby Driver is not great, RJ. Not really? great. Yeah. And wh- um, why Why do you say that? Um, I have not seen this movie. Yeah, I so. know. Uh, how deep should I go? I don't know, man. This movie is just, just not. Talk I, about I'm it. A, I'm a, I don't know. I'm a miserable person, maybe. So the movie sure. starts off with this kid. Um, he seems to be on the spectrum, but by like halfway through the movie, it doesn't. He, he's not. He's fine. He just was oh. maybe. He was just maybe acting that way, even though they were like mentioning the other shit. It's a superhero movie, RJ. Um, of course. Yeah, essentially. So. Uh, this is this is total baby driver spoiler land. So if you want to watch Baby Driver, just ignore me for the next I don't know a few minutes. Uh, so kid, baby, he uh, his parents were like I don't know his mom was like a waitress and but she also wanted to be a singer, but she wasn't mm-hmm. a very like she wasn't a successful singer. Her and her husband arguing while driving a car. Their kids in the back seat listening to his first gen iPod, and mom mm-hmm. drives the whole family into the back of a truck. Women drivers, am I right? And so, so she's dead, and now the kid has tinnitus, and he Mm -hmm. like associates things with iPods, and uh, it helps blot out the tinnitus caused by this car accident. Uh, And and, and of course, he's become an amazing driver because his mom died because she was a bad driver, I guess. Mm. So that's cool. Um, the, the backstory of this movie that you don't see is that he like stole Mercedes Benz from Kevin Spacey, who's like a kingpin of the city of Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia. Um, and basically, instead of just killing the kid, he's like, oh, you got talent, kid. You're going to be the heist guy for me, and you're going to work with these hired goons, and you're going to steal money. That's mm-hmm. that's what he does. And um, so he, he has teams team ups with uh, celebrity criminals like uh, mm-hmm. John Hamm and uh, Jamie Fox. Yeah, uh, Jamie Fox. I think this is the first time I've seen Jamie Fox play a gangsta. Um, like generally speaking, he's had like the Denzel trajectory. He has generally uh, avoided playing uh, negative yeah. African American stereotypes. Uh, the only thing I could think yeah. of that he would have been playing anything like this character would have been the movie Bait, which I have not seen, so I cannot confirm. Oh, Bait's an awesome movie. But is he a gangsta, or is he just kind of like... No, no, uh, no. Yeah. It's like uh, Wrong Place, Wrong Time. Oh, kind of see, D- Denzel. He plays a Denzel character. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, Bait, Bait was wicked. It's got that one guy from all those movies, the white guy with the weird, short, curly hair. You know the one. Yeah, that guy. Okay, so uh, with Baby Driver... So the kid he drives well, and then he 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 meets a waitress at a, at a waitress place where the waitresses mm-hmm. work. That's a diner, and uh, she sings, and so he's in love with her, and she's because she sings a song with the lyrics "baby" in it. So it's love at first sight. Um, there's, he listens to his iPod, and there's lots of like of Edgar Wright's music that he puts in there. But sometimes it's like they use like sound-alike music, which is really bad, right. and it's like distracting. It's like what? oh right, because it's too expensive to use all these songs, so they, they use sound-alike crap. Um, sure. And then eventually, he like he's free. He's paid back Kevin Spacey, but he but Kevin Spacey, like, you really thought you were out because this movie, RJ, you know the movie Red with like uh, Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that movie was free for baby boomers. This mm-hmm. is like red for millennials. Oh, so I think that's why, like on Letterbox, it's like hot fire. Like people just yeah. l- like love it. They think it's like it speaks to them. There's like I've heard stories of like 
people like watching their theater, like all these young people like leaning in forward, watching the movie because they're so involved mm-hmm. in it. Um, I felt very uh, self-conscious watches, watching this movie because like when I walked into this movie, I was like wearing my like uh, iPod headphones and like was listening to my iPod until the movie started. And then it's oh, a movie about nerd. a guy. Oh man. I was like, Oh fuck. Not everyone's gonna be like, Oh man, it's like baby driver and sitting right there. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. better, better watch out. And, oh, uh, you suck. Um, and, and of course like, yeah, it's like of course sunglasses on walking around mm-hmm. before this movie and he's got sunglasses. I was like, fuck me. This guy sucks. Maybe I suck yeah. too. I don't even know it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, kid and waffle waitress, they want to just run away together, but life's just not having it because of this one last job. Uh, and then like Kevin Spacey behaves erratically and inconsistently because it's a movie and it's like, isn't it cool if Kevin Spacey was wielding a shotgun? Cause you've never seen Kevin yeah. Spacey do that before. It's that kind of thing. Uh, I'm probably like, sure. like, I'm probably being way too harsh on this movie, but like once like I notice weird little stuff, it snowballs for me and I just start getting mad mm-hmm. and I go, this movie sucks. And why does everyone like it? Why is everyone standards low? Why does everyone want to be right. babies? Why does everyone want to be <laughs> men, children, drivers? <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a it's an important question. Yeah. So, but it might not might never be answered. These are my thoughts. I think most people will actually. Okay. Like this. I think most people would probably like this movie. You probably will like this movie. Sure. But I am <gasps> miserable. I have no idea. Okay. I, I'll, this, I'll give it a shot. There's some dumb shit, but it, it's okay. I'm, I'm the one thing I'm not giving this movie credit for is Edgar Wright is a hell of a director, and he really does like like direct the shit out of stuff. Um, yeah, like it's like pretty coherent and like for how complex this movie was for the budget it had, like he goes mm-hmm. for it, like he always does, but I don't know. Right. I often find that like, he's like 50, 50 for me. Like I only really like Shaun of the dead and, um, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, hot fuzz is good. Uh, see, I, never I like liked, hot fuzz. I never really liked hot fuzz. I'm, uh, I'm and, not and, hot and, on world's end, but yeah, uh, I like exactly. all the other three. Yeah. World's ends like nothing special. Like and they're all like, no. even his worst movies aren't bad. They're just like there. Um, anyway, so baby driver, not for me. You might like it. Uh, and then finally, 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 Uh I watched black coat's daughter last night. (gasps) Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, upon your, this is a hot take for me upon your recommendation a couple weeks ago. Uh, I ordered this on Blu-ray. I could have just pirated it, but I was like, no, I'll be a, I'll be a good guy. I'm going to get, I'm going to order this. And if RJ doesn't like it, or if I don't like it, RJ's going to buy it from me. Mm-hmm. So. And so did I steer you right or did I steer you wrong? What did uh, you think? It's a good movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Blackwood's Daughter was good. Uh, I'm trying to think what, what, because I remember when we were talking about it and there's certain things that you said, I was like, yeah, totally seeing that. Because I think you were mm-hmm. talking about Ty West and the Ty West style. It's, it's and, what Ty West wants to direct or make, but he can't because he's not, not as good. I think. I think... I think they, I think he kind of goes about his stories. I don't know. They're very similar. Like there's going to be yeah. a, a point in like 10 years where we're looking back at what the horror movies were of the, like mm-hmm. the last five, 10 years. And we're going to see this like obvious, like seventies vibe that like runs through all these movies. Cause they're all like, it's kind of what yeah. people in 2010 think 1970s movies were like. And that's like right. kind of like movies like house of the devil and stuff like that. And like the in the innkeepers uh yep. all these like kind of sl- like the slow burn movies with these female characters because like that's in and we want strong mm-hmm. female protagonists even though we don't know what that means um and black coat's daughter is definitely in this genre of stuff that like exists mm-hmm. like babadook is kind of in there too <clears throat> mm-hmm. um 
and maybe it follows. But I don't know. Black Coat's Daughter, I think it, what it does well is it's got a real savageness to it that I was not oh, expecting. Yeah. And fuck, this movie yeah. was actually kind of scary. Like, fuck, yeah. there's a scene with her walking down the hallway, and there's, like, the use of mirrors were, like, mm-hmm. really good and, like, really put you off. Like, people try to do this in, like, probably more mainstream stuff, and it doesn't work whatsoever. And this, though, is very effective. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, there's a bits where like, I was like, there's, like, oh, fuck, something bad's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the kind of the framing device, I guess, of the movie, mm-hmm. like, kind of, like, how it plays with time uh, was, like, I kind of saw, I figured it out. But I don't think like it's yeah. either at first you're like what that doesn't make sense and then you realize oh, okay that's what it's doing oh okay yeah. but then it goes for broke um, and then you realize mm-hmm. oh this is a movie about abandonment and that's all you need to know going into this movie yep. uh, the ending's uh, pretty good like I said it's vicious though like I wasn't really not expecting uh, the 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 way the where it went at all mm-hmm. uh, the title doesn't really make any sense I don't know what it means um, its original yeah. title before they rebranded it was February which is also really vague but yep. I mean at least it's set in February so it's it true. makes some sense and it takes place I don't know if it's like the anniversary or whatever but hey uh, and I don't know what Black Coat's Daughter means I, it, I don't know I, I thought going in I thought it was like some sort of because it was like a girl's school I was like maybe it's a Catholic girl's school mm-hmm. I mean, and the, yeah. it's the result of that that was like all I could think of but mm-hmm. after watching it I was like I don't really know well okay I won't say I don't know what it means because if I said what I know what it means then it would yeah. be spoilery and they kind of spoil right. and ruin things perhaps but yeah. I, I think this is a very solid entry into like contemporary horror stuff uh it's not i i I don't think i liked it as much as you but i can definitely i I think it was really good um it it, it felt like a good uh like ghost story if you will or Mm -hmm. like or just horror story like it hits the right spots it has like a the feel of a good joe hill story so i think that's yeah exactly yeah so i I can definitely see why you liked it a lot and yeah no it's good uh good recommend Oh, well, cool. I'm I'm very happy that you liked it because I honestly, I didn't know. I thought you could go either way. You'd mm-hmm. either like it or you'd yeah. hate it. So yeah. I'm it's, glad you like it. It's very and, different uh, from like an autopsy of Jane Doe. Like it's very different oh, yeah. type of movie, but yeah. uh, I enjoyed both those movies for different reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Blackwood Slaughter, again, like I think as you threw out before, slow burn for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think like everything adds up in it. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, the thing that I, I don't know if you mentioned it when you ran through it the first time, but, uh, Sally driver or sorry, sorry, Dr- Sally Draper is like the main character in it. I think I said John Hamm's daughter. Yeah. John Not Hamm's literal, yeah. just a uh, madman's daughter. Yeah, Sally Draper. Yeah. And she's, I was, yeah. she's really good. Like what a, what a fantastic actress. She has a real good look to her too. Yeah. Like she doesn't like, she looks mm-hmm. off, but like in a good way. <laughs> she's like, good. She's memorable. Yeah. Yeah, she she's memorable. She's good. Emma Roberts is good. The other girl, I don't know her name, is the good. Aust- and James yeah. Remar, I fucking mm-hmm. love James Remar. He's yeah. wicked. Yeah, yeah. No, there's some yeah. good spurs with that. That like kind of like was red herringish maybe, but uh, mm-hmm. like I a thought, little but, bit. Yeah, but it worked so, out. It paid off. Yeah, that's kind of like what I was saying when you were saying how uh, uh, the things that it does good, it does really good. Yeah, and that's kind of like how when I was first talking about it, uh, that when we were saying how there's a lot of people who try to like do things that are creepy or scary, but it's like, you're doing it because you think that it's going to be creepy or scary. And then you lose like what, what that is. But I think like this movie is really genuine in that sense where he's just showing you stuff and it's just, it's inherently 
like kind of scary, mm-hmm. but he, they're not doing it like because they're trying to scare you. It's just part of the story. That's I, how wow. I felt at least. Like I thought it was, I thought they were genuinely or like the movie was genuine. Is I think, what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, but I guess it's like also just the staging and editing and pacing, like all yeah. those things come together. Cause like when I was watching Mahal and Drive, the whole like winky mm-hmm. scene, that scene is still like really like, oh God. Like it builds mm-hmm. it because uh, David Lynch just sums up, like he somehow like gives you enough information that you actually are like invested, not in the character, but in the situation. And you're like, oh fuck, this is going in a bad place. And that's the key. Yeah. That's all you have to do when you're making like suspense is like get people hooked in and i don't think you have to care you have to care about the characters at all i don't think that's the case i think it's like you have to care about yourself in those situations which means you have to create an environment that's immersive and that you're brought Mm -hmm. into it's like i it seems like there's a weird cop-out and maybe people just aren't communicating it well enough where they say i just didn't care about the characters i didn't get drawn it's like no what happens is the filmmaker failed to create an environment that you wanted to exist in um, mm-hmm. that you wanted to go into and be like yeah this is right and now I'm, now I'm at risk because they've created like oh shit I know there's something around the corner fuck mm-hmm. and I'm stuck and I'm going to be like now I'm on the ride and I'm like locked in and this character is going forward and so am I shit and that's like that's good filmmaking and uh, with this movie uh, Oz Perkins definitely hit that uh, mm-hmm. so I'm really curious to check out his other movie uh, All the Pretty right. Things or whatever it is and uh, I was looking at his other stuff and it seems like everything else he's been involved with is crap which is too bad like he's like written some stuff and co like which is mm-hmm. all like co-written stuff so uh that's that's too bad I, I think he signed a netflix deal where he's gonna make horror movies with them or something so right. and, i think so i'm look i'll look i look forward to anything new he makes cool all right uh i think that's enough for creeping uh any, yeah. any news you want to bring to the table uh i'm gonna rattle off some rapid fire news to you okay because uh i think we were a little longer than normal whatever who cares but uh first Batman, the Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, who did the new Planet of the Apes coming out this week, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be very good. I hear uh, they're going to do a complete rewrite on Batman. So it oh sounds like if those rumors were true. It was in trouble. Getting, so they're getting, taking a, getting Ben Ben Affleck the fuck out of it completely. Getting him getting him out of the position. Yeah. So they're totally writing him out. So whatever that means so that was one so is he like uh, not going to be batman anymore he, no he is he's still he okay. signed on to act in it he just they're taking away director and writer jesus that's weird it's like yeah. how is that like because he, he was like gonna this was gonna be his thing and it was now gonna it's like, be his oh, thing now you're just the guy you're just the you're just the lead but i can i can yep. see that coming coming about though because like these these superhero movies it's well, just the what that's how they work so, I think it's part that, and then, like, I know he also went to rehab this year for, like, alcohol, so oh, I think really? there's, huh. yeah, I think that's part he's of it, too. Pulling is that, an R.J. Uh, Baylog. He's trying. He's not going to get up to my level. Well, he, like, he's already chumped out, like, f- rehab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you got to power through, because it's about to get so much sweeter. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I think I think he just, like, when he did leave and they hired this Matt Reeves, he said it was because he couldn't do both. Which is fine. I mean, that last movie he made, I haven't seen it, but I heard it was bad, and it was because mm. he tried to do both, I guess. But I mean, but he did the town, and that was good. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was one piece of news. Okay. So here's my rapid fire. Uh, Joe Pesci, he's back, out of his short retirement, his hiatus. He's gonna be in that Irishman movie, oh, Scorsese. Right. Yeah. Apparently, he said no fifty times, and uh, I think they just d- put a dump truck worth of money on his. Uh, lawn 
the Scarface reboot. Apparently, David Ayer was now the new director. I don't know what happened to uh, what's his face, um, the guy who did the Magnificent Seven reboot, because oh, I thought yeah. he was supposed to do it. Uh, so I, I guess it lost another director. So that movie's gonna fucking blow whenever it comes out. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Disney's Aladdin. They can't f- cast people because they were trying to get like arabian middle eastern people to make it authentic and now they're having a problem so i think they're just going to cast white people and say that they couldn't find the right ones uh and then uh lastly i heard that quentin tarantino's next movie is going to be on charles manson well i'll say it's rumor like is something to do with manson murders which right that can mean a lot of stuff that could mean a lot of stuff. Yeah. So that's interesting. Unless oh, he's like straight up adapting a like Kelter Skelter, then I don't know. He could be inspired yeah. by it and whatever that means. Yeah. So that could be, yeah, that could be anything. And that then, sounds uh, pretty preview- sweet though. Oh, I, I'd watch the fuck out of that. Oh, whatever yeah. it ends up being. Uh, you know, uh, and then, uh, yeah. yeah. I read one yeah. bit where uh, I was reading a Jennifer Lynch interview from like four years mm-hmm. ago. She did with Vice mentioning like the only time she was ever yelled at by David Lynch was, I guess she was like, eight years old and she was like reading or looking through uh helter skelter the book and like david oh, lynch yeah. like came to her took the book from her hands and he says there's darkness and there's light and then there's just evil and he like t- toward like threw the book aside and said this, boy, nice. this is just evil and that nice. was that i like that he's yeah. a cool dude just so that's just, just don't buy into his uh his transcendental meditation. meditation and getting your kids to do it <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. I got no news. We're going long. We hey, did enough. It's time for summer to end and autumn to begin. After the break, we're going to be talking about Ingmar Bergman's Autumn Sonata from 1978. Ooh. I wish summer was ending. It's so fucking hot. Me too. It sucks. <laughs> Thank you. 
Varför kom hon egentligen? Vad väntade hon sig av ett återseende efter sju år? Vad väntade hon sig? Och vad väntade Eva sig? Slutar man aldrig vara mor och dotter? En mor och en dotter. Vilken fruktansvärd kombination av känslor och förvirring. Förstörelse. Allt är möjligt. Och allt sker i kärlekens och omtankens namn. And we're back. And tonight we're talking about Autumn Sonata from 1978, directed by Ingmar Bergman. Synopsis here from Letterboxd. After a seven-year absence, Charlotte Andergast travels to Sweden to reunite with her daughter Eve. Or Eva. The pair have a troubled relationship. Uh, Charlotte sacrificed the responsibilities of motherhood for a career as a classical pianist. Over an emotional night, the pair reopen the wounds of the past. Charlotte gets another shock when she finds <laughs> out that her mentally impaired daughter, Helena, is out of the asylum and living with Eva. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's I, it? Okay. So, I mean, that is like like actually what happens in the movie. Like, that's yeah. exactly right. Uh, so... I had never heard... Okay, I've heard of this movie. I've seen it, like, on the Criterion list for many years. And it's always like, Autumn Sonata, that sounds boring. And it's, like, (laughs) the only reason that, like, you even, like, ever think about a movie that's called Autumn Sonata is because it's directed by Ingmar Bergman. He directs Mm -hmm. good movies. So, I mean... The only reason, honestly, that we're talking about this movie is because we're doing this show and doing this right. podcast, talking about Criterions. Because otherwise, like this movie would be like on the bottom of a pile of stuff to watch. Unless I was like, I'm going to watch every Ingmar Bergman movie like this month. Like this, this movie, I'd never go out of my way. Uh, so that mm-hmm. all being said, uh, I, I wasn't, ex- I didn't know what to expect either from this movie. I, I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's just like, it's a movie and, uh, it'll be dramatic and there'll be performances and, uh, it'll be like, yeah. it'll be domestic. Uh, I've seen some screenshots. It looks like it's just people standing around in rooms, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I will say that I think this movie is pretty good. It's like good in the sense that it's like, just like pretty raw emotionally Mm -hmm. um like at times you're just like oh my god oh like it kind of i don't know it makes it makes you think and feel in a way that i think a lot of the movies that we've been talking about so far in the criterion collection don't work like this at all 
Um, Like, I don't think any movie actually that we've watched in the previous uh, 59 films uh, prepared me at all for watching Autumn Sonata. Because I've seen movies like this. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like, yeah, you're kind of like your domestic dramas, your Michael Haneke stuff even. Like, there's like a certain like real familial interaction that like exists in in movies. And none of those have been represented at all really in... um, the Criterion Collection to this point, so I think, but I think there's more stuff like this probably along the way. Um, like mm-hmm. that, like maybe many movies from now, but I think there's stuff like this that is there. And this is kind of actually more when people probably think of the Criterion Collection, they think, oh, everything's like Autumn Sonata. Like no one thinks Robocop, <laughs> Hard Boiled, Dead Ringers, yeah. Seven Samurai, uh, even like Grand Illusion. Like most of these movies, those mm-hmm. movies have generally been like. Actually, I'd say that a lot of the movies are. To a certain point, superficial. Even like Dead Ringers, to a point, is mm-hmm. like there's a distance here. This movie, though, it draws you in. Um, so, I don't know. Should I? I don't know if you want to talk about your thoughts about the movie, or if I can just keep going talking about what I really liked about this, or what do you want? That's to on do? you. That's on you, dog. You you do you. Whatever you feel is right. <clears throat> okay. So. I don't know. First thing that comes up with this movie is like, holy crap, look at these colors. Holy mm-hmm. crap, look at the compositions of this movie. Like, he's mm-hmm. just like that. He, he's Bergman for a reason. Um, and then, I th- like, the, even like the, it's actually strange, the opening credits. Like, one of the cliches uh, I have in my mind with the more Bergman stuff is that Woody Allen got his, like, black background white text uh, titles from yeah. Bergman. And so all of Bergman's movies are always like black with white text over top. Um, mm-hmm. And this movie is not that at all. It's this movie that this like lovely autumnal warm oranges and reds and blue mm-hmm. and browns and stuff like that uh, with text over top. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, that's weird. And then there's some pan flute <laughs> rocking the pan flute. So, <laughs> uh-huh. you, you know, it's the seventies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This and then the movie gets into motion and you're like, "Oh, we have a a narrator, one of my favorite uh cinematic uh gimmicks, Devices. I guess." Yeah, device, gimmick, what have you. Uh and he's just he's this guy is laying out the movie and you're like, "Okay." So, but then it turns out fuck that. This movie has nothing to do with him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it just it, it turns into getting kicked in the stomach a lot and like, "Oh my god. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That's one of my notes. Oh god. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> um, so I'll let you take it away, RJ. Uh, what did you think of Autumn Sonata? Hey, now, I thought this movie was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I like this Bergman guy. Yeah. I've seen a handful of his movies mm-hmm. now, and uh, I've thought they've all been all-time bangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I like him a lot. Uh, he brings a real sadness to all of his movies. And he's got a keen eye, and uh, he knows—he knows the way to the soul, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way I can put that. Um, no, I thought this movie was great uh, for a lot of the reasons you said. Uh, I think, in a one-one-word way to describe it, it would be picturesque, mm. because there's so many nice, like what you said, the colors. My first note was such color, <laughs> with a, with an exclamation yeah. point. Much wow. Or such color, much orange. Um, yeah, everything looks great in this movie. And then you find out what the movie is actually about. And it's fucking depressing. And it's sad. And the actors are great. 
the two female leads are amazing. Oh. We got Swedish Amy Adams and uh, Ingrid Bergman, <laughs> uh, who apparently is different from Ingmar. Yes, yes, as you learned this week. I learned this week. Uh, I thought they were both yeah, fucking well, yeah, Liv, terrific. Liv, Liv, Liv Allman, yeah, because she's, uh, she's a favorite of uh, Bergman. She's in a whole bunch of shit. We'll, we'll be Amy seeing, Adams? Yeah, we'll be seeing her again. We'll, okay, she, nice. We'll, we'll be watching. She, uh, well, yeah, we'll be definitely because she's in Cries and Whispers, which I have not yeah. seen. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. And from mm-hmm. from all reports, RJ, that movie is like blows this movie probably out of the water as far as like yeah. color and stuff goes. Like mm-hmm. the, the movie, the stills I've seen of this thing are just nuts, nuts. Yeah, nuts. I say. Well, that's cool. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that lady was super good actress. There were so many things like when her and her mom are having it out drinking wine. And uh, she takes off her glasses at certain points and then puts her glasses back on. Mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. I was like, this lady's a good fucking actress. I'll tell you that much right here. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, t- I, tell you, I tell you what. Well, yeah. Uh, but that, like, uh, their acting was great. And he's such a good director. And I really like. <laughs> I know. Like, well, is, hey, that Ber- Bergman, is that news? Is that news? Bergman gets the Criterion Creep stamp of approval. Stamp of you, you, approval. Uh, they can put you it on the box it, anytime. But... <laughs> you made it bud yeah. uh he's heck of a director heck of a director he's so good like the way he sets up frames and then like the way he uses his camera he's a big fan of mirror shots which i love mm. um that's why he like that then, black coat's daughter yeah mirror shots man i love i love that shit and uh there's just things in this movie that you don't see very often, especially now, like you used to, but not anymore. Like uh, the one scene I really liked was the whole piano sequence where the, the one daughter plays. Just, yeah. And then the mother plays because it's so long. Yeah. And they're just playing music. But there's so much in but that the, whole the, scene. Yeah, the, the dynamic of it. Aww. Yeah. The dynamic. There's so much to it. And I feel like you can't. I feel like people aren't allowed to do stuff like that anymore because that was like 10 minutes of mm-hmm. screen time. And it was just two ladies playing piano. Um, and it was great. I fucking, like I thought that was so good. And you really get a feel for like in that scene. And then in the next one, you get a feel for the characters like that absentee mother where it's like, did, did you know one of those girls when you were younger or today even where they're always on? They're like they're always like appealing to people trying to like they're doing this. They're doing that like show moms. <laughs> Yeah, show moms. Exactly. Even, it's even like, if they're not moms. Yeah, and you get that vibe. It was like she wanted kids, but she didn't want to be a mother, you know? Oh, shit, Dr. Phil. Oh, Dr. Phil. She never really wanted the responsibility, just the glamour. But you, you get like the feel of that. And especially there's that first scene, the daughter like bears her soul. And then the mom's like, mm. you want to go for a walk or yeah. are we just hanging out? What's going on here? But then you also see the mother side like. Like when she uh, she just talks to herself and you're mm-hmm. like, is she doing that? Because she's yes. just real lonely. Mm-hmm. Is she okay? She's dreaming of rape. Did that happen? What's going on with this lady? And, yep. and you feel really sad for like both of them. Yeah. But then when they're together, I feel like it I, I feel like it juggles it really well because there's one point where the daughter like totally spills her deal and you're like, man, this mother sucks. But then the mother like tries to talk about it and you're like, wait a minute is the daughter the one that's weird? I feel like it does a good for me, at least I think yeah. there's, there's one part where you're just like, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it's not all the one way. And then, and then mm. some more stuff happens and you're just like, Oh, oh. no, Oh no. Um, 
but yeah, man, this movie's great. It's fucking awesome. Every people should watch it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. People should watch it. Um, so that's the, I, that's the recommendation. You do, what? Yeah, that's our stamp of approval. Do you want to do some timestamps here? Okay. So, what's your timestamp, RJ? I was at an hour. So an hour of an hour and 30, 30 minute movie. So it's two thirds through. And I only checked because I was just seeing how much was left. I wasn't, it wasn't one of my checks where it was like, Jesus, how much is left in this movie? I was just like, I wonder how far along we are. So I was one hour in. My timestamp was not applicable because I didn't you check. You never checked. Nope. Nice. Nice. That's, see, that's a hot seal of approval right there, mm-hmm. baby. That was drawn in. I mean, I guess like you could argue there was like maybe two points where I, I debated it, but like I find that it's like, uh, it's an insult now to the movie if I do it. So I think it's like, I'm if I if I'm actually checking the time on the movie, it's like a real. It'll show my disapproval of the movie to a certain degree or my judgment of it, because I this movie like I thought was just like for the most part I was like I was like it just moved along even though it's like it, they don't really leave the house like they're just there the whole time. No, and, it's a uh, great it's a great play. Yeah, it's yeah, just well, yeah. two people talking. I, I think I've read some people complain. Oh, it's like a play. It's like oh fuck off. Who cares? Who cares? Well, yeah, you know what you, movies are? They're just fucking plays. Yeah, with cameras. Unless it's uh, ba- unless it's Baby Driver. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can have like a scene where it's like, yeah, I mean, you know those times you've been walking along with your iPod and you're listening to some real fat beats, and you're like, yeah, I could like run up that moving car and like do a backflip off of it. Yeah, I could be that. I could do that. Oh that, come on. It's, it's it's yeah. It's uh that's Edgar Wright. Anyway, we're talking about Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so hey, here's a here's a hot tidbit. Uh, so oh. uh, Ingrid Bergman, mm-hmm. uh, apparently she found out she had cancer like a couple weeks before filming this movie. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Uh, that some, other, some other hot beats. Uh, old Ingrid Bergman. He was uh, in like the midst of a like tax fight with the Swedish government at the time. Yeah. So he like had to like leave the country because they were gunning for his pocketbook i guess pay your taxes Jesus. so uh according to peter cowie who wrote the notes for the criterion dvd of this film um this movie emerged from one of the darkest spells in ingmar bergman's life <laughs> in 1976 he had gone into voluntary exile in munich after being accused of evading taxes on the income from certain films uh autumn mm-hmm. sonata marks the swan song of ingrid bergman's career fulfilled his long-held desire to make a film with his namesake and was his first film in Swedish mm-hmm. in 11 years. As well, this was his last theatrical movie. Because after that, uh, his movies would be uh, television productions that would wind up getting theatrical mm-hmm. screenings, like Fanny and Alexander. Like that. Ah, yeah. that all-time banger that we will get to one day. One day. His, one like, day. One of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to movie note stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, there's the point in the movie where you're just like, ah, so the disappointment of a parent in their child is one of the themes here. And uh, I wrote, hey, RJ, one of my fears of ever having a child of being a parent <laughs> is they're like a fucking failure or like mentally disabled Aww. or anything like oh that. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I That's where I was like, oh, I could relate to that. I could relate to the mom. I could, I could feel myself. And it, oh. oh my god um, you're a bad person I'm, I'm okay with that like that's just what it is man it's honesty jeez come on it's like <laughs> everyone's gonna be like good job fuck up <laughs> well I mean there's okay let's keep going let's keep <laughs> uh, so yeah this movie next note is this hurts to watch 
It does. It does. It. You oh. feel bad watching oh. it. And, at and some then, points. and then RJ, man, now we've got a dead kid. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, oh, I know. Uh, and, and then it's like, oh, good. Now we're popping on the old dead kid slide carousel. And it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite things to have over when my parents are visiting. It's like, oh, let's go take a look at our dead child. Wait, do you not do that? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a Baylock family uh, tradition? No, that's my other family, my dark family, my transcendental uh, mediation. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then, yeah, this movie's got real talk. Uh, oh, yeah. Just the emptiness of the lives we live. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you. Um, this movie. Raises, no, yeah, this movie's super sad. Uh, this movie raises some important questions, like the things we do to cre- keep relationships that are built with faulty supports, when perhaps it would be best to just let it all fall apart. <laughs> and uh, there's this thing where it's like it's the trade-off. It's like, well, you could start from scratch. You know, we'll start tomorrow morning after we finish off this bottle of wine, and like we're, <laughs> we're just going to scrap it all, and we're going to start off from scratch, and we're just going to like pretend like we're strangers. But it's like it never works out that way. Because I think when you start when you start building up, you're just using faulty old materials. And can you really start over with another human being? Hey man, that's me every pizza Sunday. Every pizza Sunday, I say it's gonna be the last. And every every Sunday, I keep getting that Pizza Hut, that hot, locally sourced, organic, sweet sweet hut. <laughs> so I simp- I I relate to that man. Because I, I do that every fucking week. I said this will be the last time. Just I'm a big fat piece of shit now, and I got I got to quit eating pizza every day. But then I keep I keep ordering. Are you like talking about tipping the driver? Um, I'll let you fill in that blank. Okay. Um. Oh, yeah. brother. So I guess I just want to ask you: How do you feel about the monologuing of life in this film? How how did it strike you? Because there's a I, lot. There's a there's a bit of that. Sometimes people do that in in a uh, film or you mm-hmm. know media, movies, books. Sometimes people do that and it really bugs me it's, it's because pl- I'm just like, shut up. Yeah, I think that's where the play thing comes in. That people say it feels but, so much like a play. Yeah, but here, this movie is so good that it didn't bother me at all because I was like, no, this is just a good movie, and I'm having fun and I like it. Having fun. <laughs> Uh, watching the, the dead kid slide carousel not not fun it's just it's it's such a good movie that i was like you know what i it's like i they do it well so there's nothing to like sneer at where in other other times you see it you're just it seems so uh i don't know it seems silly try just hard like, <laughs> try hard exactly like that ty west with his horror movies very try hard you know what i mean poor ty i uh, hate he always blows his endings <laughs> and they they suck. So whatever, I don't care. He's not listening. Um, oh, my, uh, n- next note here uh, is uh, rape hands. <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah. So it's like once. In, so the other thing that old uh, uh, In- uh, Ingmar Bergman does, he likes to throw in like weird spooky things sometimes in his movies. And they play a little more spooky in his stuff because his movies are like straight up dramas and not horror stuff. Uh, the closest he ever makes to making a horror movie is the movie Hour of the Wolf, mm-hmm. which I remember watching and kind of being underwhelmed by. But I don't know. Maybe my opinion of it will change the next time I see it. Right. But uh, in this, though, yeah. So <coughs> Ingrid Bergman's character, she's uh, she's having a, a lay down, having a nap. 
And then but we don't know that though. But we just <laughs> see like as close of a people, and then these fucking gloved hands, or they glo- I don't know if they're gloved yeah. or like they just, they appear. Yeah, they're just really coarse. <laughs> he just has really <laughs> bad skin. And just like whoa, and he's like, what the fuck was that? Like, because it's like, who the hell? Somebody in the house, right? There's only like one man yeah. in the house, and it's like, who is this? And it's like, oh no, that was just a dream. I'm like, ugh, yeah, that that would freak mm-hmm. me out. It did. It freaked me out. That's for true. Yeah, no, I, I didn't really know what that was, but it's like I was saying earlier. I think it kind of must be something to the character. You know, she's talking to herself. She's lonely. She's kind of a freakazoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, she probably doesn't even eat pizza. Heist? No, oh, fuck no. No, high strong is what you were saying, correct? Uh, Perhaps. Or high... Yep. Yep. I'm good at this thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everybody thinks so. A regular wordsmith. Yeah. Well, you know, I used to be, I think. But then <laughs> once I, I used to be when I was like a student and I would have to read stuff all the day and I had these big words in my head. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just a simple farmer and the sun cooks my brain mm-hmm. and I'm sweating all day. And then when I come home, I'm like a potato. Getting sunburned. Oh, man, I got a, I got a pretty bad burn. Don't tell Andrea, though. Because uh, she was telling me to put on sunscreen, and I was like, <laughs> "I was like Hungarians don't need sunscreen," and she was like, "Oh, you're so stupid." And then uh, I burned my sh- my shoulders burnt because I got that farmer's tan, but I popped my top the other day, yeah, and uh, it got burnt real crispy. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to hide it. Right. I don't want her to know, mm-hmm. know my shame. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Hungarians don't burn. Right. So whatever. Um, yeah. So. Back to the movie. <laughs> oh, right. We do a thing about movies, hey? Uh, yeah. And then there's like, fuck, all the stuff with uh, the sister, Lena, Helena. Oh, God. God it's damn so it. It's so sad. God damn it. Rough. And then there's the flashbacks. So, yeah, the movie does the flash. Yeah. The flashbacks are so done so well because mm-hmm. it's all done through like door frames. Um, yeah. And like that sounds like real like. Uh, try hard. It sounds real like, oh boy, here we go. But this movie is like, it makes so much sense. It's just, it, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, again, beautifully shot. Uh, and it's done like, there's no moving cameras in these shots. It's just still photographs of these moments. Mm-hmm. And it's done like at the right times because you'll get like a series of these moments during a conversation, which like helps like right. literally like when you're just having two characters talking back and forth over a table. And you're like, okay, how do you like add to this? And it's like, well, having those like visual flashbacks that aren't like, well, here's the actual interaction between these characters having their conversations, um, right. and like you don't really see uh, uh, Ingrid Bergman's character. You don't see her in those flashbacks, or not like they don't stand out. It's like her, the father, and her absence, and the feeling of her absence through all those scenes, um, and like her, like when it's like when they go back to the theme, where, like the last time she was there with her like lover at the time, Leonardo. Um, mm-hmm. The, yeah, because even those flashbacks, you do see her in her own flashbacks when she's at uh, Leonardo's yeah. deathbed. Yeah, you do. Um, but but in the in her daughter, and it makes sense though for like in uh, her daughter's story that you don't see her mother in any of those scenes. Um, yeah, yeah, absentee mother, absentee mother, and then yeah, Lena is just like holy fuck. I don't know. I, I didn't even think of looking this up. It's like, is this an actress playing this to the tilt or is this like a person that actually is going through this life? And I'm going to look it up. I, I, think, I... I think it's full no, tilt because full in one tilt, of the flashbacks, yeah. she's standing up, but then later on she yeah. can't stand. So it's either like 
Which I, I know that's like, it's like, so what? She can stand and not oh, stand. But... And, we have, and we have not seen the last of her, it looks like. Uh, nice. She is also in the I Am Curious movies, Yellow and Blue. Uh, I, I don't know what that means, but I look forward to it because if she was going full tilt, this lady's a hell of an actress. Well, okay. So I'm curious and uh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. But we haven't seen the last of her. Uh, she died after a long battle with several illnesses, including cancer, COPD, and Guillain-Barré syndrome. <laughs> mm, I thought you were going to say something cool, like rapid, she died of rapid, rapid onset muscle weakness caused by the immune system damaging the peripheral nervous system. Oh, so did she? Was she really sick in this movie? I don't know. <laughs> uh, doesn't really say. She's like has a f- bit of a filmography she lived like she was born in 1944 and lived till 1911 nine until 1911 sorry uh 2011 i was gonna say she went back in girlfriend time. girlfriend was fucking resurrected 60 years later for this fucking movie mm-hmm. 2011 so was she in any like cool movies like small soldiers or sister act uh n- no <laughs> whatever who cares then <laughs> who cares yeah, yeah. She seemed she went f- full tilt. Mm-hmm. Goddamn. Goddamn. There she is riding a bike. Um, this is tantalizing talk radio. <laughs> She's riding a bike. You uh, you describing pictures of on Google and anyways. Yeah, she she was really good, and it, her story is really sad, and this movie's really sad. Yeah, but it's very good. But it's very <clears throat> good. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, but you know what? There's some pieces of crap in this world rj who did not mm-hmm. like this movie all that much they're wrong there's no uh one stars on this but we've got uh lossie marhog and he Ugh. gave this movie two stars uh not my favorite bergman by far strong performances but autumn sonatas feels too much like film theater bergman by this point seemed more interested in writing than cinema I don't understand that as a criticism where they're like, oh, it's it's too much like it's too much like a play. It's like, yeah, that's what fucking movies are, you idiot. You idiot. You, you idiot. You nerd. That's dumb. Okay. I think that's dumb. And then uh, J.S. Latour, he gave this movie two stars as well. It's been years since they've seen each other, but Eva is finally receiving a visit from her mother. Unfortunately, the situation brings up an entire childhood of bad memories, and Eva ends up facing her mother with them all. If you want drama, you've got it. Yow. When we first meet Eva, she seems very nice. She takes care of her disabled sister, Helena, living a quiet, unassuming life with her husband. However, as the movie continues, Eva realizes that her mother's presence just highlights all the years of her absence, and everything starts breaking down. She grows increasingly spiteful. She admits that she never loved her husband and drives herself half insane while laying blame everywhere but on herself. According to Eva, her childhood was just as bad without mom as it was with her, and she can, can't admit a single good memory of her developing years. Uh, I'm see. I'm waiting for when the bad what? part starts. Helena serves yeah. as a physical manifestation of these emotional ills, as Eva asserts that it was her mother's neglect for, that caused her affliction. Spoilers. Meanwhile, Bergman is yeah. utterly shocked at the developments that unfold, maintaining that she tried her best. Since the film consists solely of dialogue between the two women, the performances had to be spot on. They are, although between Eva and her mother, Bergman shines brighter. 
Just when it seems as though all of the arguing might be over, out comes another tirade from Eva, and Bergman's expressions Jesus convey Christ. true emotions from the accusations. If you're up for a heavy mega dose of drama, this is your film. If it's going to be a if it not, it's going to be a tough sell. Ingrid Bergman gives a great performance, but there's a lot of venom you'll have to wade through in order to see it. What that what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> Why is this a two-star review? What what's wrong with this person? He, he he's describing why this movie is really good and yeah. then at, and then in one line he says, "But if you don't like yeah. movies like this, you won't like this movie that's like this." And it's like, "Yeah, okay. I get it." If you're really in a fucking like Transformers movies, you won't like a drama movie. Mm. It's like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, I, fuck. What's wrong with you? I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, what a nerd! I just read that. I was like, what? <laughs> what yeah. Where's where's the two stars? Where's the lack of quality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try hard. Yeah, that's the new word. And once you hear it, it gets it takes a while for it to work out of your brain. Yeah, I'm gonna work out of your brain. How do you how do you think of that? Oh yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, those reviews are dumb. Yep, uh, and those people are dumb. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, you heard it here first. Pe- mm-hmm. People's opinions are wrong. Everybody's wrong but me. Yeah. Especially you. Well, let's, let's, let's not go too crazy here. Okay. Everyone's wrong but us, but especially you. Mm-hmm. See, right now I'm racing to see what J.S. Latour's uh, favorite films are. I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. I bet one of them is a Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Just because it probably one, it's probably Wes Anderson, uh, two thousand one, uh, something kooky like Shrek, and uh, something bad like uh, Flight with Denzel Washington. Mm. Oh, are you kidding me? No, I, I'm getting the Gremlins uh, back backdrop. Oh no! Did Letterbox crash on wow, you? Wow, it always crashes. Okay, hold up. You no, talk oh, for a no, minute. No, no, no. Oh, 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 oh. We got it. We got it. Okay. Uh, favorite films? Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead, Two. Seven Samurai, and From <gasps> Dusk Till Dawn. No. And in his bio, I don't do half stars. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> Most of my reviews pre-2013 were imported from my old review site off-the-shelf reviews. There may be a few that got associated with the wrong film, contained dead links, etc. during the import, and for that, I apologize in advance. Um, I don't really know what this guy's deal is. Uh, he has not wa- logged a movie since May 15th. Of this year? Uh, y- no, last year. <laughs> well, whatever. He's, he probably died then, so who cares? Exactly, yeah. Uh, recent reviews, The Boss, <laughs> one star, Ugh, a pointless waste of talent across the board. I can't fathom how this ever made it into production. I can't fathom what talent he's talking about. Surely it's not Melissa McCarthy. No. Sure. Surely I'm very witty and I have mm. nice remarks. Yeah, this guy's weird. Um, yes. Anyway. I, hey. I bet. Yeah, whatever. Let's not end on a depressing note like this movie. Mm-hmm. or well we do will, we but do we yeah anyway uh yeah so this movie is great people should totally watch it uh they're they're, they're gonna have to listen to our podcast though to find out that it's great and they might not listen to this episode because they're like oh, i'm Sonata. i don't care about that but we're telling you you should definitely watch this movie we're telling you baby 
an hour and 40 fucking minutes into this thing, whatever it is. Jeez. We're, we're, we're telling you, you should definitely we're check, bad at this. check it out. It's good. Uh, after, yeah. after the break, RJ is going to head off and leave me alone at our cottage. And we're never, we're never going to see each other again. You're gonna you're gonna fall out of your support bed, <laughs> Greg, screaming for me, I'm telling you to come, and I won't because I don't care about you. Yeah. think so um she tells me she thinks i'm pretty cool so i think we're friends <laughs> you can email us and tell us about your relationship with your mother at criterion creeps at gmail.com we've got a facebook page we're on instagram we're on that letterbox i'm jared duncan he's barn loaf we're on soundcloud stitcher itunes all that fun jazz Please review, rate, subscribe, all that jazz, too. Next mm-hmm. week, spine number 61. Uh, after some real stodgy drama of a mother and daughter arguing with uh, themselves, uh, we're going to watch themselves some Monty Python and then <gasps> tackling Christianity. We're oh, no. Big laughs, RJ. They're coming our way. Terry Jones directs Life of Brian from 1979. I think you mean Life of Brain. <laughs> oh, Wait, can't you read? Damn dyslexia. <laughs> Neat. 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 It, it, it's, uh, it's a fun one. Uh, I think I saw it once when I was a little kid. Ooh. That's it. Uh, I've seen it maybe once. Uh, real okay. Well, it's been a little bit since I watched it, but I think this movie, if I remember correctly, is pretty good. I don't really trust your reviews. Pretty, pretty good. It's all about about that Jesus, but not. Okay, I'm into that. Is Mel Mel in this one? Well, you could watch that one if you want, or you could hold off on that till uh, Passion of the Christ coming up here soon. Yo. Oh, wait. Lay it all out. Okay. Well, this is the preamble to that. Because um, the side story of mm-hmm. Christianity, if you will. Neat. I'm well, in. It'll be good. Uh, thanks, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. If I'm still here, you, I might leave. You can send your fact-checking emails, keeping <gasps> us in line. Hey, I appreciate it because someone's got to call you on your bullshit. It's fine. You're always you're always saying things, and I, I don't know if they're ever true. Talking, and now I know talking that they're shit. not. Yeah. Okay. Talking shit. Bye, folks. All right. <laughs>